Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secret Birds HQ podcast. And this is episode 19. And today I have with me Miss Sheila Kripalani, who is based in India. Hello, Sheila. Hi. Hi, Joanne. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing brilliant. I'm so excited to have you online and to be able to speak with you about your work and all the exciting things you're doing for Habitat for Humanity in India. Oh, thank you. So Sheila, firstly, can you tell us exactly where in India are you uh, speaking to us from? I'm in Mumbai. Uh, It's a seaport, a large metropolitan city. Yes, of course. We all know Mumbai. Vibrant, (laughs) energetic, and filled with life, right? (laughs) Yes. Well, Sheila, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today and for giving our listeners some of your time today. Um, Like I said, I'm very excited to learn more and to share your story with our listeners and more importantly, to understand the work you're doing, the very important work you're doing with Habitat for Humanity. So would you like to begin by telling us a little bit about your story and who you are and and how you got to where you are now, because you have many accolades, <laughs> which is something um, I, I, I find very admirable. So tell us a bit more about that. Well, thank you. Sure. Uh, well, I, my involvement, involvement with Habitat for Humanity was in um, 2006, when Habit, actually Habitat came to India in 1983, but in a very small way in South India. But in 2006, they decided to enter India and really do a lot of work here. And uh, they took a spot somewhere not far from Mumbai to build about 80 homes. And they inaugurated that work and they had um, the Carters, the uh, ex-president of the US, Jimmy Carter and his wife come to inaugurate it and build with us. And in 2006, when they were planning to start all this, they approached me and asked me if I and my husband would get involved with uh, Habitat for Humanity and if we would connect them with the right people, the right donors. And uh, we thought it was a privilege and an honor for a work like this. And yes, we did get involved. Uh, My husband's on the advisory board. Um, I was the chair of the trust. I've just stepped down last... um, last month, I think, a month before that. And I still chair the um, India chapter of the Women Build India um, for Habitat of Humanity, which is an initiative of Habitat. So that's my involvement. (laughs) Okay. And Ms. Sheila, tell us, you're also the director of a a group of companies and you're the chair, a board of trustees for Habitat for Humanity, as well as you're the board you're on the board for several organizations is that correct uh yes on another non-profit um called bombay team challenge where we rescue children and children of sex workers and drug addicts and rehabilitate them and um you know rescue um sex workers and um yeah that's, we that's incredible wow Okay. And I, I, I read you're also the past president of the Indian Merchants Chamber. Yes. Right? Yes. That's, uh, that's a business uh, chamber. And yeah. yes, it's um, been over 100 years old. It has been in India. 
and I was the president of the ladies wing one year. Okay, so you're obviously very busy, but um, <laughs> but from from all yeah, of the things that there. you do, from everything you do, it's obvious that you're passionate about issues related to women and children and anything along the lines of poverty. Yes, yes. Poverty. My heart goes out to those to the poor. I just you know I have a soft corner for them because I just feel it's our duty. You know, if we are blessed, we are blessed to bless others. You know, I, I believe that as well. But why do you think that, um, obviously we know why this is important, but why do you think so many people who are in a position to help others just turn the blind eye? They don't. Why do you think that is? I don't, you know, I think... Uh, Maybe they just get used to it, and maybe they, they I don't know, because some are, um, I wouldn't say they're hard-hearted, I don't want to judge, but mm. I don't understand, frankly, why people can just ignore the needs of the poor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, definitely. Especially if it's something you see in every day, whether you see driving to work, or, or in the yeah. street. And, and in all. India, there is so much. There's so much. There's so much opportunity to be of help here. Absolutely. Okay, so let's but, jump in. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but I must say that the, the youth of India and the younger lot in India are, I can see a change that there is so much energy and so much interest in trying to help and trying to do good. Yeah, and that's very important because the youth are the future. So if you're seeing this this type of philanthropy and this desire to help coming from the young people, that's a good sign for the future of the country. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. And especially in India where 75% are youth. Yeah, definitely. Of our population. You know, yeah, it's, so a, you have, it's a very positive thing. Yeah, majority of the population in India are young. So if the young people are, are excited to, to help others and build the country in this way, then it's a, it's a good thing for everyone. That's great. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the initiative Women Build India, which you said is, is so it's a project uh, of Habitat for Humanity. Can you tell us more about that, please? Well, uh, it's an initiative that brings together women leaders and achievers. It helps to empower underprivileged women mm -hmm. and provide an opportunity for women to take a proactive step in serving the communities. And it's sometimes through entrepreneurship. Uh -huh. uh, women helping women always sends a very powerful and positive message. And yeah. uh, I think the, the interaction with women leaders, the disadvantaged women are shown an example of how they too can make a change and step forward to create a better life for themselves and their families. And it gives them a support system to know that we are interested in their lives. Yeah. So yeah, that's what Women Build India is really about. It's protect and, um, you know, uh, in India, especially in urban as well as in rural areas, women are still denied their right to housing and ownership of land. Mm. Women's property rights are subject to many complex mix of laws and customs. There's so many customs in India mm -hmm. and so many different tribes. Mm -hmm. And very often the woman is sidelined. Yeah. So, um, 
and the land is usually transferred through inheritance not to a male right so we in uh, women build india projects we try and build a home in the woman's name so she becomes the owner of the house and this enables women from poor families to then have affordable homes and uh, we mobilize resources and volunteers through women women donors for this right so this yeah i i want to ask your your view on something being a a, a woman of the soil this is your country india okay yes. i i i want to hear obviously your perspective as an as someone from the outside having the, a view of india i think they many people would think uh, things like technology emerging superpower uh, global powerhouse 1 billion people all of these fantastic things right but then on 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 the yeah. other hand they also think okay this is a country that has a lot of poverty and then they also think maybe this is a country where the women women don't have not all of the women have the same rights as men okay now these are two very conflicting sides of one country why why is it that you think um in a country that's ever changing and so dynamic as india you you still have some very deep rooted customs which as you say tend to sideline the women and how how do you, do you, how do you think that can be changed is it just a matter of time or 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 what what do you think you know um you you said the right word it's so deep rooted right it's a, a generational thing where women have been kept in the houses in the homes and yet it's so contradictory because um, there is so many songs written about the mother mm -hmm. in um, our culture yes that, um, you know yeah the the respect for the mother It's yes. so important, yes, in India, very yeah. much so. Yes, yeah, very much. And but it's so contradictory that mm. there are so many rapes taking place at the same time. That there is no respect given for women at the same time. There is a deep-seated caste and um, um, barriers that still go on. And uh, in certain temples, you have women dancing uh, to gods, and you know, then they're abused. So there's mm. a lot that. deep-rooted things that are coming to the forefront more especially through social media mm -hmm. especially through NGOs who are helping rescuing women and um, i think uh, what's nice is i think the government is trying to hopefully take proactive steps towards this too alright and uh, if the government worked along and was strict on certain things i think we could move faster Mm. and uh, i you know i just hope the present government will do that and um look at the women you know as they look at their mother yeah, and everyone because what you said is so yeah. you said it's so important we all know in india the mother is is very important you know every yeah. every indian man will will tell you he worships his mother right <laughs> yeah. but at the same time there is a disrespect for women so there's some kind of disconnect between even within the indian in indian mythology there and hinduism there are many female goddesses as well so the woman is is quite uh has a high a high esteem in the culture 
But at the same time, there's still a lot of things. But this, I must say, is not limited to India. This is women around the world, obviously. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, yeah, it, yeah. I think every every country has its own drawbacks, mm-hmm. and this is what we are facing in India, where um, rape and molestation is a challenge for the government, and they're really looking into it. You find I don't know what's happening when I think of what so much of abuse of women you know mm-hmm. even where our women in the red light area in mm-hmm. india 90 i think all over the world too maybe but in india i know the statistics that 95 percent of them are there because mm-hmm. they've by mistake been put there they've been sold unknowingly mm-hmm. and uh, so we have this problem and it's um it's a deep-rooted problem, as you say. Yeah. It'll take time. And I really, and I have great faith in our youth, and I feel yeah. they'll do a better job somehow. There is a change in the youth. Definitely. And it's something I, I often ponder myself, because like I said, it's not just an Indian problem. It's a global problem. I think wherever we go in the world, we see this reverence for the, the maternal and, the, and mother nature and the spirit of the feminine and, and all of these things. But somehow that doesn't extend to everyday life. You know, it's, uh, yeah. there's still this, this, this type of uh, misogyny and disrespect for women just on a very basic level. Like you said, whether it's rape or, or sexual assault or, or women's rights, ownership to land and these kinds of things. So I don't know. There is definitely a disconnect there, but I'm always curious to hear what others think think about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you mentioned um, something. You said women helping women sends a strong message. What do you think that message is? Women helping other women. I think uh, women helping women gives a message. The it firstly it gives an opportunity for the haves to help the have-nots, mm-hmm. and it gives a bonding. You know, I've gone on bills and I've helped build for these women. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I can never forget this lady. She was just sitting while we were building her home. Mm-hmm. It was in a faraway little tribal village. And uh, her belongings were just a little drum and everything. And she's left, lived all her life in a thatched uh, place with, uh, it, I mean, it was so, uh, what should I say, uh, a home that must have broken a hundred times, but they would put it up again. And um, there she was with her stuff, and we were building her home. I think she just couldn't believe that she'd get a solid house after generations, maybe. That yeah. She could even look at a home like that. It was solid brick and, you know, windows and doors. And she could lock herself in and it gives dignity. It's yeah. It's something that every woman needs. It's a protection. It's a dignity. Mm -hmm. And um, I think once women start getting independent and have uh, um, the dignity that they need and the security, people may respect them more. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it gives them confidence. Yes. Once, and once their quality of living is improved, it's a different world. Yes, I was going. I was thinking that as well. I think when you when a woman owns her own home, it gives her. It does give her confidence. She navigates the world in a different way. She carries herself yeah. differently. She speaks differently. She thinks differently because now she's got something of her own 
And I think that's yes, very, that's very important. It raises her self-esteem and her self-worth, definitely. Yes, and then she has the comfort of knowing her children are protected around her too. Absolutely, and like you said, she can come inside and lock her door. She's safe. Yeah, yeah. She's, safe. She's definitely safe. So you said Habitat for Humanity India has been in India since 1983, and you've served yes. over 1 million, 1 million uh, is it families? Through, through the... Uh, one, 1 million individuals. Individuals, okay. And where do you, where, where, do your, where are your projects mainly? Is it in the urban cities? Is it in the rural areas? Where are you operating? Mainly in the rural areas. We're operating in about 20 states in India. Fantastic. And uh, we do, I mean, whenever there's a national disaster, like an earthquake or a storm or a cyclone, Habitat's yeah. always there to, you know, to rush in and help. So we, are, we were in Nepal, we were in Uttarakhand, we were in the cyclone and the tornado in South India when that happened. So uh, we're now spread everywhere in India. Mm -hmm. Okay. And tell me a little bit of what the process is like. So uh, how do you find the family? And then is there sort of a, a, a system they have to go through and then they have a house? Can you kind of break down how the process, how that works? Yeah, we generally work with a local NGO okay. in an area. And suppose you're a donor and you want to build in a, in a particular area. We would go and do a due diligence in that area. We will go to find an authentic local NGO who would look at the families that come into this into our window, um, those uh, below a certain level poverty line. And um, then that's how we go and we get into the area and we choose the homes and we choose to build for them. Okay, and then the NGO would, would then deal with the matters of um, allocating homes to families and, and that kind of Yes, thing. because we just then give, build the homes and walk away. We give ah. them sanitation, we give them pipes, depending on whatever we can. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, and then, yeah, because, uh, you know, once we find then another place to build. Definitely, definitely. Now, our, our audience are women who have ideas. So meaning they have an idea to start a business or women who have recently started a business. So I'm very curious to, to tell our, our listeners more about Women Build India, because you said it brings together women leaders and achievers to then empower underprivileged women. And I think you, you have events. Um, yes. Yeah. We have uh, small events where we collect funds for our projects. In fact, because there's a big Indian a festival called Diwali, the Festival of Lights, coming yes. on soon. Yes, yes. So uh, we've um, arranged a high tea at a cost where people will pay for it. Right. And it's actually a high tea, champagne tea in one of the best restaurants in Bombay. Okay. And uh, yeah, and we will then talk about what we do. And um, hopefully uh, people would feel encouraged to support so yes we have little do's like that and um, fashion shows maybe mm. and um, 
exhibitions we take part in. We try and do whatever we can to raise funds. Definitely. And to bring awareness. Yeah. And, and do you uh, ever need assistance from women entrepreneurs abroad? Or do you try to work mainly with women entrepreneurs in India for these types of projects? Well, we really work with uh, women. Um, we're open to working with anyone abroad. Mm-hmm. Though it's a Women Build India c- committee, right. we in fact have one of our members whose daughter is in New York, and she's heading the New York chapter for Women Build India. Oh, because as you know, there are, oh, there are Indians everywhere. Oh yes, one. <laughs> there are over one billion Indians, and they are literally everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yes. So she's um, trying to get the, let's say the cream of society from the Indian groups to come over for a dinner and talk to them about our project. Right. And uh, she hopes at the end of the month, she's having it actually. So, and she hopes she will garner support and funds for us. So So yes, we're open to working everywhere. So she's building support with the Indian diaspora, the the Indian diaspora, diaspora who are, who have the, sort of economic and political capital to invest in, in, in a project like yes. women's. Right, right. That's really important. And the, I'm sure yeah, that... And the Indians important. abroad... Sorry. No, it's okay. The Indians abroad always feel that they need to support India, many of them. Yes. They're just looking for an authentic NGO. So, exactly. you know, we are accountable to every penny that goes in and we are yeah. ready to give an account of it. So I think it helps. Definitely. That's what I was going to say. You must have so many Indians abroad who want to give something back yeah. to the motherland. Yeah, so, and many of them are doing well, so they really want to give back to their country of birth. Definitely. So, but it's proof. finding the right, the right medium, the right uh, yes. type of organization that, you, that really, I guess, has the impact that they're looking, that they're seeking. Okay. Yes. All right. And now shifting to you, we talked um, in your interview on the website about how home ownership empowers women entrepreneurs. And you said that um, you mentioned that across India, women are still denied their rights to housing and ownership of land, etc., etc. So I think you you mentioned how when when the woman gets her her the, the, the property, it's put in her name. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, yes. And once she gets it in her name uh, and, you know, she gets that dignity and that uh, confidence, many of them start a little business to earn a little money beyond the house they need the money to run. And uh, it's sad but true that in the rural areas, the woman is not looked after at all by her husband well. Mm. She's the one who works in the fields. Mm -hmm brings in or whatever she can. And um, she, he, I mean, the, the rural man really eats it, it just drinks and yeah. abuses the woman. Wow. Um, so uh, the fact that she gets a home, then to many of them, there's, uh, I mean, I think I'd writ, uh, written that about the Lakshmi in South India. Yes, he did. Who lived in a small one-room house with her three daughters, but the walls were of mud and tin sheets. Yes. as a roof yes and it leaked every year during the monsoons they had buckets and they'd sit up the whole night oh my God. and there was no all through the monsoons and her, the mother would cry 
worrying about her children and you know uh, you know and even the no toilets so the fear is many women I, uh, I don't think I told you in uh, in the written interview that many women uh, have no place to go uh, to ease themselves to go to the toilet there are no toilets yeah. so they go to the yeah. fields exactly. so they are they're big targets for rape and molestation. It makes them very so, vulnerable. Very vulnerable, yeah, of course. Yeah, and um, so many of them control themselves from dusk to dawn. Oh, my God. And this causes so much of uh, illnesses. Of course. Problems with the bladder and everything else. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, I can imagine and then you're sitting there all through the night in this rain and so this mother would cry. We built last year a, her home, a strong permanent home for her. And she now runs a profitable tailoring business out of her home. Wow. So she's now a proud homeowner as well as uh, she's got her own little business. Yeah. I do have a question though. And the one... Go ahead. Sorry. I'll yes. ask after. No, and I think I even told you about Lipti Ansari. Yes. Whose husband had left her. And these are two in urban areas, actually. And she lived in Delhi. And um, of course, her husband, uh, she got married at a very young age. Her husband was already married. She didn't knew and know. And she had three daughters. And this is a common situation. Then, wow. you know, in, these innocent poor girls get married. Hmm. They don't really know. And uh, Today we built a home and now she's a proud owner of a small tailoring business which she starts from that, which she started from a home. Yeah. And not only that, she's now, she's made the money from that little tailoring business to mm. buy another home near a good school so her girls can, children can go to that school. So she wants to shift or she's shifted to that home. And now the house we built, she's using it as her business home, as a business uh, where she's uh, teaching tailoring to others. So she's yeah. managed to shift and get another home near a good school so the children can go. So just that house made such a difference in her life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when you own a home or when you own land, that's the beginning of everything, really. Definitely. Yeah. But I do have, the question I want to know is, what is there any backlash from the men because you you go into these communities and you build these homes and you give them to the women these are women like you said who may have been battered or issues with their husbands and so on so what do the men do do they become resentful when they see these women with these homes do they what happens do they lash out or is it just oh okay fine and they move on what happens to the men well, many of these women hardly have any husbands. Oh, they either okay. have left them or yeah. um, okay. if they are there, then they just, they're happy to get a free home. Wow. Okay. It's, it's the woman who will be working and who is anyway working. You know why I ask? Because, you know, in Bangladesh with um, Muhammad Yunus's uh, micro lending and yeah. so on, there were stories about the, as we know, many of the micro financing was going to women and there were stories um that i that i heard about whereby the men were becoming very resentful because the women were becoming empowered you know they owned the goats and they were doing the trading and microfinance lending was helping them and so on and that some of the women would go home to their husbands and their husbands would abuse them 
because it says it's as if they were becoming upset that she was getting more power more economically sound and that kind of thing so that's why i was curious as to what but you know um yeah you know joanne i that could very well be in certain in certain circumstances where the woman still has her husband yes. and if he's a drunkard and doing nothing he will definitely take his frustration out absolutely but at least we've given her a, a, a home that's secure and uh, strong and she can stay there and she knows her children can grow up at least in that protect, protected little room of course so yes. yeah i i don't I, I do believe that i'm sure there are many of them who would have their husbands come and beat them up still yeah yeah definitely because the the men are already frustrated and i guess they they're yeah. dealing with their own issues and around their masculinity as well and then the wife is kind of becoming more empowered and that's more frustration yeah. and so on and so forth so but but like you said it's um it's better to have a woman in a home and at least have something than to than to have nothing. yes yeah and yeah. hopefully build even a toilet nearby so they don't have to go out into the open fields absolutely and is that something that you do as well because i know you mentioned sanitation yes we are into sanitation we're into uh water we're into uh, education tying up with people with other educational ngos we're into everything today oh, just good. to make that home secure and that environment yes uh, conducive right and now that we know a woman who owns a home will most definitely start a business so now let's talk about entrepreneurship and and as the women's movement and you said in your interview that you believe entrepreneurship is the new women's movement and you made some very good points uh, when i was reading through your interview i kept nodding my head and saying yes yes absolutely i agree i agree and um why do you think it is entrepreneurship is becoming this big movement for women now whether it's teenage girls or uh, women who have retired or mothers or young women or women who've left the corporate world, every woman is, is getting into entrepreneurship some way or another. And why do you think this is? You know, more than anything, I feel a woman is a mother, come mm -hmm. what may. Mm -hmm. She has her children. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she wants to do something besides wanting to be independent, she looks to, for her children. And this gives her the freedom and flexibility. She's still the homeowner. She's okay. still the mother. Mm -hmm. And to start uh, something within her little sphere in a new home helps her to be flexible and gives her the freedom to continue doing anything that she can uh, with, her, with her sharp business intelligence continue doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the reason why women are doing it so much these days all over mm -hmm. is because really primarily because they're mothers. Yeah. And you it's know what I mean? That flexibility. Yeah. It, is, it is a force that form, makes them go ahead and do something. Yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a mom yet, but I've heard that when you become a mom, everything in you changes and all of a sudden you've got this power that you didn't have before. <laughs> and you Yeah, just, and many of yeah. the people who have built homes are, of course, for mothers. Yes. And they're all into trying to do something. And I guess that's an example then their daughters get, have. And they see oh. that, of course, then the daughters start going to school and study and want to do something. 
So it definitely, women have that in them that drives them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. With these values and beliefs. And um, to become entrepreneurs. Yeah. There's a freedom, I think, that comes along. There's with, a freedom um, and a flexibility. Yeah. And what I think what you mentioned about corporate politics was, was spot on as well, because I had a corporate career uh, at once upon a time. And I think um, that that kind of lifestyle can be very stifling, especially if you're a creative yes, person. Yes, that is absolutely. Yeah. That's why I said freedom and flexibility is something women want. Yeah. And independence. <laughs> Definitely. And like you said, being able to make your own rules, you have your own ideas yeah. and you can, you can take the risk and you can pursue your, your ideas. And if they don't work fine and if they do, it's okay. But that's, you won't have that kind of freedom when you're operating in a very structured corporate environment. So it gives yeah. you that opportunity to, to, to venture into, into all things, all things new. Yes. There's so much flexibility. Absolutely. Definitely. And I think this is, uh, as I said to it, that the, this is for good. I think women have changed. Yeah. And I think we're and going women, to see more of this. Definitely. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think you will always find women operating in with NGOs and in the corporate world and in businesses. You will always have that. But I think you will see more and more women starting their own business or working for themselves or doing something for themselves. Yes. And I think women can manage time better because they're come what may, they're still homemakers. Yes, absolutely. And they have so many other things to do, but they manage their time and they want to do something more um, yeah. than just being homemakers. Once they have a secure roof over their head. Yeah. They want, they want no, something, they want something a bit extra just for themselves. Yes. Yes. And yeah, to be independent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think um, even, even the most proud mom will say, oh, but sometimes I wish I had something a little bit on the side just for myself, <laughs> you know, something yeah. to, do, yeah. to do, to do just for myself. And now going into um, to poverty and fighting homelessness and, and so on, do you believe that these, these new and emerging female entrepreneurs, specifically in India, have a, a, a role to play in, in, fighting, in fighting these issues? Yes. Yeah. Women, are, because women are still deprived of their basic rights, as I said, yeah. to adequate, adequate housing all over. Yeah. And... Uh, proper sanitation and ownership. Uh, there are the future female leaders, as I said, have a huge and significant role to play in changing this scene. Right. So women can volunteer support the construction of homes right. to help this vulnerable section. Housing plays a huge role in determining measures of well-being, such as health, income, education, safety. And it's so important that children live in decent homes with proper sanitation. As I mentioned earlier, how difficult it is, especially for girls, leave alone for uh, even children, for anyone not to have proper sanitation. And uh, you don't stay healthy if you don't have proper sanitation. And if you're not healthy, as I'd said, they don't get educated and they don't get education. They don't get good jobs. 
Yes. So they grow up into adults who can't take care of their families. And uh, this doesn't, this sort of keeps them tied down to this and strangled to poverty. So it's so important that a decent home opens the door for improved health, better performance in schools, economic opportunities, and in every way, an increase in community uh, cohesion. Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, it's something that female leaders are being created through entrepreneurship. Yeah. And uh, yes, I think once you've been through this cycle, you would always want to fight poverty and hopeless, homelessness amongst women. Definitely. And I think, like you said, women, women want to help other women. Women understand other women. It's not that men can't help or men can't contribute, obviously, and of course they can. But I think only a woman can really understand what another woman goes through. Yes, that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. I mean, there is something about a woman bonding. <laughs> oh, definitely. Which, uh, yeah, and I think we understand so much more the needs of the that a woman has than anyone can. So I, I do feel that this Women Build India is something that we're counting on the, on women who have to help those who have not will bring a big change as much as we can do. We will continue doing to help the have nots. Yes. And um, hopefully see a new India, a new generation. Yes, definitely. So now what, what is, what is uh, sort of the future for Habitat in India with you at the helm? Do you foresee starting other projects? Uh, do you see it growing? Or where, what direction is the organization heading on with you, with you as it's uh, on the board, really? Uh, well, in the last two, three years, we've grown big <laughs> because yeah. we've joined with other NGOs. Yes. We've joined with, uh, we formed a cohesive group. Uh, in, we've joined with water uh, experts, with sanitation experts, with educational experts, and uh, for lighting. And we've done, as a group, when we go into a village, we work along with all of them. And that has helped us uh, get more um, homes to build. That has helped us to work in different fields. Yeah. That has helped us in a lot of areas. I think um, the new managing director's vision was really very good. He's the one who decided to get all the other NGOs on board, as many as could work with us, those that would have the same vision. And uh, it's working very well. Yes. So it sounds as though collaboration has been the key to Habitat Humanity in India's success. Would you say that? In the that? last two years, that's helped us a lot. We've uh, really been able to take on more projects because of the collaboration that we've had with other nonprofits. Right. And I think collaboration now in the business environment is really key to to scaling and to growth and to innovating as well. Um, 
collaboration Absolutely. opens the doors right. for new opportunities, definitely. Absolutely, because there are so many new things happening and until you collaborate, you will never know what's happening. You'll be <laughs> only in your narrow uh, <laughs> line of thinking. So I think it's, it's the best thing we ever did. And that's helping us a lot to build more, to spread out more. Right. So there will be more collaboration in the future and uh, working with more NGOs to, to build a better and brighter India, it seems. That's the plan. Yes. Okay. Yes, any, that's absolutely our desire. And if any of our listeners want... Sorry? If any of our listeners want to get involved with, yes. this, with this project, is that a possibility? And what would, what would they do? How can they do that? If they're running an NGO, uh, for example, if we have uh, someone listening who's running an NGO, but maybe outside of India, and they want to sort of get involved and work together to build, to build a home, contribute to building know, a home. Joanne, we'd be only too happy for anyone who's interested to okay. come along and work along with us and come and build homes. But as I said, we only build homes in the cooler period. That's yes. between mid-October to March sometimes. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'd be only, we'd be very happy to be in touch with them. You could send Pyle's email address or mine to them. And right. we could definitely, you know, be happy to collaborate in whichever way. Okay. Would you like to give us any information on where they can contact you? Uh, is it via the website or direct contact me? They could go on the website. Okay. They could go on the website. They could get, get to me personally on my email address. They okay. could get through to Pyle on her yes. email address too. Yes. And I've got all of this information. So for those who are listening and who are interested, you can... Uh, send us an email directly through our website or through the email mainbirdsecretbirds at gmail.com and we'll be happy to connect you with this wonderful organization doing work in India. So what final or parting words do you have for our aspiring entrepreneurs who are listening to you speak about this wonderful program that you have in India? I read that you have four daughters, so I believe you have a lot of snippets of wisdom that you can give to our ladies as well <laughs> you know what i've done actually i would uh, i as i'm well i'm getting old but definitely i feel my daughters are old enough yes and uh, i think it's important that we pass on these desires of helping whichever in whichever field the less advantaged to yeah. our children if this can go on as a generational thing that my children will continue helping Habitat and the other NGOs I do, and of course other, they could add to it. But I, I would like as a parting comment to tell people that continue doing whatever you can, because whatever we do is just a drop in the ocean. And please let your children continue doing your work. Right. So plant the seed of giving and continue to give yes. and, and give. Yes. Absolutely. And make sure you, that's you, the only way we can change the world. That's the only way we can help these people. It's true. And make sure you bequeath that onto your children so they too can continue that, that sort of spirit yes. of, of giving and so on. I think um, this is very, very important. And I think um, 
without sounding too biased, I think it's important to women because like you say, the women are the mothers and the nurturers. And uh, I think we have a natural propensity to want to give and to want to help. I think that comes naturally to us. So it's... Uh, yes, it's, uh, yeah. I think it does. It's just got to be tapped. I think everyone has a good heart. It's just yes. that nobody's gone and tapped it. Definitely. Definitely. Well, that is very sound advice and very important advice as well. And I do appreciate it. And I want to say thank you so much for giving me some of your time today and for speaking to me a little bit about um, the work you're doing in India with um, Habitat for Humanity. I think so many of us hear about Habitat, but we don't. It's such a big organization and it's such a complex organization that we don't always know what's going on. So it was really interesting to gain some insight from you on the work that's happening in India and specifically Women Build India, which is a female initiative. That's very, very, very important. Thank you, Joanne. I enjoyed talking and sharing my experience. Absolutely. And uh, thank you so much for trying to help Habitat by giving me an opportunity to talk about it, the work. Absolutely. And that is it, ladies. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode 19 with Sheila this evening. And once again, if you have any questions or any queries or anything you would like to find out about the organization, or if you would like to make direct contact or work directly with uh, the organization in India, you can reach, us to, uh, reach out to us via our website to get involved. Thank you and see you at the next episode. Bye for now.